let's jump in. All right, here we go. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, Courtney Ballard. Now, Courtney, I had the uh, fortune of meeting her in a high-end coaching program, and she was actually helping us with a lot of copywriting, which is right up her alley because she is a copywriter and a writer and an entrepreneur and the owner of Copy Labs. So, Courtney... Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you coming on today. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. You have that whole thing down. Like you just, you've got, you've done this many, many times. Well, this is like episode 100. So you'd think I'd have enough oh, reps in right you're now, a right? Pro. <laughs> reps. Yep. Yep. Far from pro, but you know, we're, you know, we're getting the reps in at least. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's all that matters, truly. Yeah. So uh, it was really cool to uh, catch up with you. Um, you're in my home state, Georgia, of course, and you guys have had a little cold weather. I know things are, are going well, but you said you had a little sunshine. So tell me a little yeah. bit about you, man. Are you originally from that area or no? No. So I am originally from Nebraska, um, good old Midwest, and uh, moved out to California when I was 17. And then I lived in California for about 10 years. And I've been here um, for about not quite a year, like nine months. So this is a newer place for me. Oh, fantastic. How'd you end up in the Southland from the Midwest? Um, my partners, my boyfriend actually lives here and uh, we we met through working together and I was living in California at the time. Um, long distance isn't always fun. And I, I was living in LA at the time, actually. Um, it was during COVID and LA was not a great place to live. One, just in general, I would, I would never live there again. Um, very, very stated opinion like that's just how I feel um but also during COVID it's just not good so all things aligned for me to end up here so here I am that's fantastic yeah it's interesting that uh that you have that opinion I share the same opinion I think LA is the (laughs) armpit of the world to be quite honest with you and I'm not holding anything back there you know I've I've been there a bunch of times and every time I go I look for something positive and I think I enjoyed being in Santa Barbara and that's about as far as I got with with SoCal, but it is a different world, especially if you're from the Midwest or from That's the South true. for sure. Yeah, it's true. I have a, I would like to say I have a love hate relationship. LA has a lot of great things about it actually. And I, I visit quite often. I do appreciate it. Um, if you know where to go and where to be, however, um, living, it's just, it's not my place. So yeah. Yeah. It is very, very different. <laughs> Total culture shock, man. The thing, yeah. the thing that was so hard for me is I grew up on all these shows that were produced in California you know, Uh all these old like 80s shows growing up. And, you know, I had this vision in my head of how awesome it was and how amazing it was. And then when I moved there, I was like, um, false advertising guys. I'm going to go ahead and and call BS on that, (laughs) you know? (laughs) No, for real. Like my first time I ever went to Hollywood, I was like, this is, this is what, like what is going on? Yeah. Not what you think. Not what you think. Not what you think. (laughs) Definitely not what they, not what you see on the little box on the wall for sure. Uh-uh. So, uh, so you grew up in Nebraska. Um, are you educated out that way as well? Uh, you educated like? Did you go to school there? Well, like high, up until I was a senior in high school, I graduated high school early. Um, wanted to get the f out of there. I did not like high school. <laughs> um, got out as quick as I can, and then I moved um, up to Northern California, which is where I went, actually went to a ministry school up in Northern California. Yeah, and I did that for a couple of years, never went to college or university. Um, that just wasn't the path for me. Um, and just stayed in California after I went to school because um, I loved it. And I wasn't, I wasn't in, like, so I told you, you know, I lived in LA. I wasn't in LA most of the time. I lived in California. I was actually all over the state. I was in Northern California. And then I was also in like San Diego, Orange County. So kind of all over. So, yeah. Yeah. Different. Uh, all those areas are very, very very different for sure. So it was, yeah, it, uh, were you in, uh, were you in like a seminary school or something similar? I mean, it's very, it's a very fun topic to talk about. No, like it's not seminary at all because you're not getting accredited. It's the name of the school was called Bethel, um, school of supernatural ministry. So it's more for the experience. Some people will go. And if you're taking classes at a college nearby, you can get college credits, but I would say like 90% of people don't do that. And I would say like 80% of people who go to the school, these are total ballpark. I'm not, don't quote me on this. Um, don't actually go into work in ministry. They just do it because, um, the experience itself, I would say is what's 
specifically related to like self-development practices. You just, at least for me, there, there's a lot of things even now that I can say I don't align with in that anymore. However, um, I wouldn't be who I am and where I am today without it because um, total like leadership practice in itself was to go and immerse myself in this experience. So, yeah. Right on. So did I hear you say supernatural ministry? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. Let's yeah. They're, they're very into the supernatural that. world. Okay. But, so supernatural <laughs> ministry. Talk to me. Tell me what's going on here. Uh, gosh. See, oh, and it's just funny because that was, that was quite a while ago. This was like, I mean, it was almost 10 years ago that I originally went um, and I haven't really been involved world for at least five years but what I can say about the supernatural for them is it's more about like signs and miracles and I think their goal is to make it like as non-religious as possible like not the like typical Christianity and more like um like seeing God be like alive and in front of us so that it's not just about like Bible verses and reading your Bible. Like, so that's where it was not like seminary because you're going out and you're actually practicing these things. Like it's very evangelistic. Um, a big part of the school was like going to other countries and to other cities and other states and practicing evangelism. And I, I, which I do think is really something that was great about that school is it was so active. It was not sitting and typing. And it's a lot of things we're not getting in like typical school settings that's all just like sitting behind a book and a textbook. So I admire them and like respect them for the fact that they make it something where you're going and actually practicing what they're teaching for what they believe is like the living works of God. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, and they would probably describe their supernatural totally different than me, but that's just how I'm going to portray it. No, no, I, I love it. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, supernatural, I immediately go into the, like the woo woo world, you know, and so I wasn't, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure to what degree, you know, the supernatural yeah. was being incorporated there, but it sounds like a really cool experience. Yeah, it was. Um, like I said, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And uh, when I first moved out there, I was in quite a, because you have to think like moving from Omaha, Nebraska, which is very like one way, um, people see the world very similarly, culture I'm not saying culture is bad. I'm just saying it's one way to find. So there's not a lot of like diversity in it. And then I moved to um, a very small town in Northern California learning the supernatural stuff was just a huge shock to my whole body as a 17 year old. Um, And as much as I wanted to resist it, it just ended up being like one of the most transformative years of of my life. So, yeah. That's amazing. So what were some of the tools that you were picking up or you, or you, that you feel like you picked up during that time frame that you still employ today? I love that you're asking these questions and about this because I actually haven't talked about this in forever. Um, but it's a good reminder for me um, just to like reminisce on this experience. Uh, I would say the biggest one would be really showing up um, and getting past what I would what I would call are just like stories that we have in our head about ourselves or our experiences. Something that I had to do very often in this school was um, I had to get up and prophesy. So for those who aren't familiar, like prophesying, basically believing that you're going to know something for someone that's going to be edifying. So you have a word from God, if so you will, and you're going to speak to that person about it. So I would have to get up and stay on stage and do this at least like once a month and prophesy over people. And I'm like, I, you know, I just felt like such a young kid doing this, but, um, I kept doing it and I kept showing up and it wasn't about getting these words right for people. It wasn't about saying something in it being automatically true. Mm-hmm. It was about the sole act of doing it and participating in it. That was so powerful for me and for others. And it's what probably launched me to be able to be an entrepreneur, to be a leader, to be a podcaster, to be a writer is that um, I got really out of my own way by not needing to get these prophetic words right, but by being like just a leader and willing to edify someone else. Um, and those moments themselves of getting up and speaking and actually being with that person in that moment, um, I will never forget them. And so that all, all to tie together would say like leadership itself and to learn leadership as a 17 year old, when you don't know yourself, like I didn't know myself at all. Um, was kind of crazy, but you know, like I said, I still am carrying those principles with me now where I get up and I do a podcast, um, 
myself and I, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, I have no idea if this is going to go anywhere, but I'm doing it because I'm in it for like these moments where I'm actually having a conversation with someone like you, because that in and of itself is what life to me is about. It's about being in the conversation, not being in it for getting it right or the end result. Oh, that's beautiful. I love the way that you frame that. And there's so much power in what you had to say there. I mean, we could actually just unpack that for the rest of the day, but you know, yeah. for, for for the sake of, uh, you know, staying within the time frame, when you're talking about leading yourself to step up in front of other people and deliver a message, I think that a lot of, a lot of times we don't, we don't allow ourselves to put ourselves out there for, you know, for the sake of ego or whatever reason or whatever story, like yeah. you said, is coming, is coming to mind. But that when we do that, we're in that place of vulnerability. And in that place of vulnerability, there is so much power. And as you were speaking, that was the idea that came to mind because we're in that place of vulnerability. It doesn't mean that we're, we're going to be attacked, but it means that we could potentially be attacked or we could potentially fail in some way. And we're there anyway, we're in that moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually today, I haven't had this happen in quite a while, but, um, I wrote, I'm a writer, as you said, copywriter, and I wrote something, um, put it in a mentor of mine their Facebook group. Um, and I actually had someone comment it uh, some, I can't remember the exact phrase, something along the lines of like too bland, didn't read the whole thing. Your message wasn't concise enough. And it's funny, like, as you're speaking, I'm like, well, my writing is very geared towards like vulnerability. That's like my message that I go off of. Um, and even in that moment, as soon as it hits me, I'm like, (laughs) it doesn't feel good. Like it never feels good to, be prone to what you're talking about, that, that attack of someone else, but to choose to do it anyways. So every single time that happens, I'm like, well, this is actually why I do this. I don't do this so that people give me terrible comments, but I do this knowing that this is always possible and I'm going to keep doing it anyways. Yeah, that's beautiful. Like, so if I'm hearing that correctly, like you posted that thing and and then someone said something that stung a bit. Yeah. Then, then at the same time, and you, you followed it up with, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so how do you develop that skill? I think this is the thing that so many people get hung up on, right? They, they put themselves out there and then one person out of everybody on their in, entire freaking social media profile or whatever, whatever channel they're putting it out on one person says something and then they're like shrinking violet all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Well, I'm definitely not the pro at this, um, <laughs> but listening from the pros, you know, I've heard, I've just, I just remember hearing from a lot of people like Brene Brown was one of the very first people that I looked up to within vulnerability. And she would always say like, you know, like, just don't read the comments, just don't read the comments, but how do you not always read the comments? Um, you're going to, you're going to hear the comments, like they're just going to happen. And so for me, I think it's like, it's truly just a matter of perspective when there's one person hating, there's generally 10 more appreciating and grateful for your message, even often when they're not saying it. Um, Something that I often taught a lot and and continue within like coaching on writing and business owners is that we don't see, we only see on social media likes and comments and shares. Well, what we don't see is the amount of people reading and not saying anything at all. Um, Just to bring it back to that comment of perspective is, But even before those, you know, ultimately I would say is my writing is always for myself. Like everything that I do in my life, like the way I speak, the way I write, the way I teach, the way I coach, it's always because I know that it would be beneficial for myself. And if I can set that as the precedent, anything else that comes is okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, there are generally speaking, and this is not going to be the case for everyone, because I understand that there are some people who get maybe like, half and half, like half people hating what they say and half people loving it. But generally speaking, like for every one person that's hating on your work, there's probably 10 more who are very grateful, even if they're not speaking up. So I take a step back. I laugh for a minute. I maybe get a little triggered um, because it doesn't feel good when someone says they don't like your writing. And then I move on. Mm -hmm. The key is moving on, like not getting stuck in that person's comment and letting it become your new story, having a vision for the work that you're creating. And it's not their comments, like your vision and your work you're creating is not anyone's comments, not even the validating ones, not even the ones that say, thank you. 
Oh, dude, I, I can't tell you how much I love that you said that the positive doesn't matter too. you know, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. you have a message, you have a mission, you have a purpose behind what you're doing. And if people like it, great, but you're looking for those that are really wanting to attach themselves to the message, right? Um, be mm -hmm. it positive. But the, the thing that um, I wanted to ask you about as you went through that was, um, you know, what do you think about the idea that, you know, if you're not polarizing in some way, shape or form, you know, if, if you don't have at least someone on the other side of the fence saying, hey, you suck, you know, are, that your message is weak or bland or it's not getting through, you know, what are your thoughts on that idea? Um, <laughs> you know, everyone has a different definition of polarizing. I, I, I can see where that could be and would often be true. I've heard that I've voiced that and I've weighed on both sides because this is the thing you don't want to just be polarizing for the sake of being polarizing. Cause then you're just being like, Hey, I want attention. But if you are giving an opinion and a truth and a message for it's like full embodied truth, well, most likely someone's not going to like it. Um, especially now, like, it seems as if most every opinion at some level is polarizing to someone. And the way I see it is when you're not looking for anyone to agree with you, you won't even really weigh out those factors. And then you're, whether it, if you're talking about writing or if you're talking about just an opinion itself, um, the only, the only thing to look at, I wouldn't even look at it to be polarizing. I would just look at it to be, honest for it to be like your full on what I call like unapologetic truth. And that often would then be polarizing. And so if that means, um, people don't like it, then, okay. Like that's, that's what's going to happen. But I just wouldn't want to be polarizing for the sake of needing attention. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think back over the last few months, you know, and reading some of your stuff, I think it was a few months ago. It might've been back in the summer. I'm not sure which, but you made a post about like stepping into all of yourself to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. You made a post about being unafraid to say who you are and what you're about. And I'm just curious, you know, after, after making that post and before making that post, you know, what was it that caused you to have that courage to make that shift to where it's like, listen, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And this is what I'm going to speak about. And I'm okay. If you're not okay with it. Um, okay. Oh, I, I think I know what you're talking about, actually. So you're asking like, what caused me to make that? Yeah. What caused you to, to step into that declaration and start living into it? Um, losing relationships, friendships. So something that I feel like has taken me a bit to learn is that as you're learning who you really are and making like very solid, um, like core values and belief systems, you, your circle is going to change. And I started to see my circle get very small and like dwindle. I was losing a lot of friends as I was moving in a very specific direction. And for a long time, that was really challenging for me because I didn't want to lose friends. Um, I, I just was afraid that it meant like I was being egoic. I didn't know. But I got to a point where I was like, I, I don't feel like I have anything left other than being true to myself. And so I want, I would like to make it very clear how I view the world and that this is also subject to changing because we're always evolving. And so if you like it, great. If you don't, that's fine too. And when I make content and when I write copy like that, I'm not asking or expecting um that people agree with me. I'm just asking that we all like have a respectable place to say, this is what my opinions are. And if there's something on here, that's like a non-negotiable for you. Like I respect that too. And so that way we're not always looking to be agreeable and to have a lot of acquaintances and to have really big circles. Cause to me, there's nothing worse than being fake for the sake of having a lot of relationships. Yeah, it's almost like you have to choose, right? It's like you have to choose what you have in the circle in which you occupy or in which you live versus the growth that you want to experience, right? And then yeah. making that choice, a lot of times people are not going to come with you. So their, get, mm -hmm. their gift to you is saying goodbye in a way. 
you know? Oh, I love that. I've never heard that. The gift to you is saying goodbye. Definitely. I, I would, I would agree. Although there's a lot of resistance for a period of time because if it's people you love and it's like, there was memories and such, um, you, you get to a point where you make a choice, like either it's worth it to me to compromise in myself to keep this or it's not. And that's it. You make the choice and you move forward. So love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. There's so much in the, this idea of experiencing something, having an emotion, you know, feeling some kind of way that triggering piece, right. And yeah. then what you do about it. And I think earlier you had mentioned, you know, you can't dwell in that place because if you do, you just run the, you know, you run the story through your head and it gets stronger and stronger. The key yeah. is, is to move. And a lot of times we forget we have agency between what we feel and what we do. Have you seen that mm -hmm. with the clients that you're working with in terms of getting their message into the world? Between what they feel and what they do. Yeah. Like when they, when they make that choice, like you, you talked about making the choice and stepping away from one circle uh, so that you could pursue a, a given direction you know, are you seeing the same sorts of struggle in people that you're working with or in people in, in your life in general? Definitely. I mean, I feel like I see this everywhere is that when you want to create forward momentum, it's going to cost you something every single time it's going to cost you something. And so, um, and I've, I've just learned that through my experience in business and in life and in all relationships and family and everything, um, with clients, it's always looking at like, if they come to me wanting to make like a messaging shift in copywriting, where they're speaking to a different type of clientele, what they often don't realize is, okay, that's being okay with the current audience that you have not liking this, you know, like if you're speaking a completely new message and you expect everyone who liked your old message to like the new one, you're, you have a false mentality of how this works because you're just looking for agreements. Um, and that's what I mean by like going back to even the polarizing comment is your new messaging as you evolve into a new person might feel polarizing for some people when it wasn't polarizing at all, you were just growing. Mm. And so anything in your life that's worth it. Like I said, it will cost you. Um, it will cost you people's agreement with it. It'll cost you people's appreciation. Um, and it'll cost you relationships that just won't go with you. So that was an example in business. Um, and then yeah, the personal example I gave you of losing relationships in my life for sure. Yeah, for sure. It just sounds like they mirror one another. I think a lot of times in business, we think that we have to be liked first and first and yeah. always. And I think social media has done either a good or bad job of enforcing that, depending on your interpretation of what social media does, right? That if, you, yeah. if you're switching up your messaging and all of a sudden you have less interaction as a business owner, that's kind of hard to take at first, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I went through this myself. So um, when I, I've been online for a, a while now, but in the earlier stages of having like content and a brand, whatever you want to call it, um, I had way, way, way higher engagement likes and, and such with it. And as I made that shift of getting more clear of who I was speaking to and why and the message that I was speaking, most of the people who were liking my content, there's still a good chunk, you know, like you got to give people credit, like some people will evolve and grow with you. Like there will be those people. So I always also tell clients like, but don't, don't throw them off and don't give, don't, them a chance, give them a chance. Like maybe they actually want to grow with you and maybe they will respect you and thank you for this shift and maybe even pay you. So I've had some of those, but at the same time, a lot of my engagement went down and a lot of the people that used to really appreciate what I was saying didn't follow with it, but I'm okay with that. Cause I don't have the same mission anymore. Like back in the past, it was more, I came across as like very inspiring. Um, and that's fine, but that's just not really how I'm portraying myself anymore. And for some people, they're just offended by that. And that's okay. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can totally relate to that. I have um, what I call an Insta blog. So on Instagram, I write some sort of power up, like I call it personal power ups, you know, and I've uh -huh. written them for going on four years straight. So something every day for this amount of time, right? And most of it's not polarizing. It's just philosophical. Mm. But I do find or what I would say is most of it's not what most people would consider polarizing. It's all about self-work, inner work. So if you find that offensive, it's generally something that's going on inside you. It's not, you can't really blame me for it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But the minute you switch it up and mm -hmm. you start talking about 
you know, anything of consequence in the zeitgeist, you're going to have people who are throwing the stones and you're going to have some of the people who are like, yeah, let's go, let's get it. And in the middle of all that, it's like you're kind of, you know, you're kind of in the storm. So if you don't have a clear vision or if, or if your purpose is lost or your vision is cloudy, I can see how so many people would fall by the wayside under the pressure of that offends me, you know, not mm-hmm. realizing that someone telling you that being offended is a choice. You know, every time I get that, I would yeah. just remind them like being offended is a choice, you know, and there might be this gap between us. But at the end of the day, probably if we sat down and talked at the coffee shop, we we're 90 percent vibing on the same stuff. Oh, isn't it so funny? I, I completely I'm with you on that. I remember like a year and a half ago when all of like it was like when the COVID stuff first started happening and we had like Black Lives Matter, everything on the Internet getting crazy. And I was posting some things and for some for many people, it was like just a lot of hate on the internet. And I actually had a friend, he reached out to me and he was like, Hey, you know, I thought about commenting on your stuff because I was really upset and I didn't like it, but I decided it would be better if we just sat down and had a conversation and we sat down, we had a conversation. It just so turns out we wanted the exact same thing. (laughs) Like it was all so similar, but it was like, just the way things are portrayed on the internet, you can be so quick to be like, what what did you just say? Like, that was so offensive to me. You could talk about like everything's so personalized. It's funny. Yeah. So, and there's yeah. no, there's no consequence for being an idiot, right? Like you, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can, you can show up on someone's timeline and, you know, pretend you're, you know, the keyboard commando or what have you. And then there's really no consequences. No one's going to slap you in the mouth and say, you know, right. Hey, I don't appreciate that. Right. Or you're being rude, but yeah. you would show it at, at the same place at the same time with that person. And you would never behave in that way. Mm, yeah, definitely. It is interesting the way we morph and become like know-it-alls on the internet and we need to be right about everything and our opinion has to be greater than someone else's. And I want to be someone who like catches myself in that, that even when I have posts that are like, this is how I view the world. These are my beliefs. At the same time, I'm still open to other people having opinions and that I'm not always going to be the one who knows better than you. I don't need to be right. And I, I would like if I'm going to stay on the internet, the place of all of this hate and, and such that we're talking about, that I'm going to be someone who's going to choose to stay open and let other people have a say and a voice without immediately being hurt because their opinion was different than mine. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the mature way to look at it. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we get further faster if we have a deep conversation if we really seek to understand before we start trying to imprint our ideas on other people because like you said you know at the end of the day when it gets down to it we might want the same things but we might be coming at it from different angles and so if people have that reactionary stance to where if it's okay you know if I win the oppression olympics by being offended today and I impose my will or my belief and my opinion upon you you know I'm justified because I have the moral high ground and, yeah. you know, I feel like a lot of times when I'm doing content, I'm, I'm, you know, especially if I'm doing long copy or video, I'm walking that line of, you know, how far can I push versus how, you know, how could I, should I pull back? Should I not? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I think, mm. you know, I have to remember exactly what you were talking about earlier. It's like, well, what's my purpose here? And my purpose should take precedent over my insecurities or my fears. Yeah, I love that. I'm definitely with you on that, especially like in any in any form of the matter, whether it's business, writing, like copywriting, like you're talking about, whether it's in your personal life and um, just the way that you're showing up, it's always having very clear distinctions with ourselves. That way we can be honest with ourselves about the way that we're showing up versus um, like, otherwise, what do you have to weigh your metrics off of? You know, like what other, what everyone else wants from me, what this person told me to do. No, no, no. What I decided I was going to do and sticking with that. That's what was most important. Yeah, for sure. I I can, man, it's just, it's just wisdom, wisdom, all kinds of wisdom being, being, being coming, falling from your lips today. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. (laughs) Maybe it was that, maybe it was that comment I got today on my writing. It really sparked me to think again for myself. You know, every time I get some backlash myself, I feel as if I get to be that much more honest with myself about what my reasonings and my values, um, and why I'm doing the things that I do, because uh, I want to stay in check that I'm not just the one speaking these things and preaching these things. Like I, I say a lot of great things on the internet that people 
sometimes like, sometimes they don't. <laughs> but <laughs> I better be the person who's going to back it up and live it out. And I will say, you know, you get comments that are hurtful sometimes, and I'm not immune to that. So I just want to stay in check with myself before I ask everyone else how they feel about things. For so. sure. I think that's such an important guidepost to have. And it, I think it's beautiful in a way when you get some sort, I mean, and I'm not talking about just like someone who comes at you sideways, but someone who comes at you with the stance of, hey, this is my honest interpretation of what I'm seeing here. It forces you to do a gut check and say, well, is this really what I want to portray and represent? And does this uh, align with my values and principles? And, you know, if you're honestly asking yourself that and the answer is yes, then you did the right thing, regardless of what the backlash was. And so mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people uh, will get lost in that because they don't have a clear guidepost or a clear set of principles and values and values in their lives. And so I think getting to that place before you jump on the keyboard or pick up your phone is the key, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was Funny enough, that was actually something I talked about in this specific piece of writing was like having your own metrics. Um, most people's metrics right now, whether you're doing business online or not, even if you're just using the online world to write stuff, most people are only having metrics of like likes and comments and engagement. But these are really, really, really poor <laughs> metrics because you could be a complete idiot. Like you can be a jerk. You can be a really terrible human doing stuff online and getting a lot of engagement for it. Like, so like, what does it matter? You know, just like anything else, like, what does it really matter to you? What, do, why do these things matter? If you can then go into it and say, I know exactly what my own metrics of success, um, joy, um, whatever I'm looking at, why I'm, I'm doing this. You can look at the metrics of engagement, likes, comments, things like that very loosely and not be attached to them and they won't waver how you continue to move forward. Yeah, a hundred percent. That, that was perfectly said. And so, you know, coming back to, you know, kind of what it is that you're doing for a living with copy labs and then obviously with your, you know, your personal brand in terms of what you're putting out there, how did you arrive at storytelling? How did copywriting and writing in general emerge as a major component in your life? It just kind of happened. It just kind of fell in my lap. Uh, so I've been writing for a really long time. Um, I started like storytelling um, from a young age. I just did kind of like a vulnerable, when I was really, I was 14, I was a freshman in high school. We had a, um, a writing prompt in English class where it was like, I think it was something along the lines of, a more challenging experience that like grew you as a person. And my original thought was I was going to write about my cousin having leukemia and overcoming it. And I was very close to my high school counselor at the time because she was kind of mentoring me. Um, I, was, I was a mess in high school. And she was like, nope, you're not going to write about that. You're actually going to write about your own personal experience that you're going through right now. And at the time, um, I missed most all of high school for going through eating disorders. And she said, you're going to write about this in present tense. I was in the midst of struggling with it. I missed half a freshman year being in and out of treatment centers, but you're going to write about this. You're going to stand up and you're going to talk about it. I did that. Um, it was the scariest thing I've ever done. Like I was just a little, little girl writing about things that were happening very current. And most of my high school class didn't really know me that way. And although that wasn't like the catalyst and that I was like, great. And it was perfect, you know, because I did this, what it was, it was courage. It was what we were talking about earlier, vulnerability, being willing to do that. So I was willing, I had courage. I stood up, told that story. And over time I started to do it online. Didn't do it to make money. Um, I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. I wanted to be someone in the fitness industry who was talking about things other than macros, posting photos of our bodies. I wanted to talk about the real stuff happening behind the scenes. Um, grew some of a following from that. And over time, it just turned into other business owners seeing that skill of my writing and my storytelling in the way that it was a bit different. Um, if you look at a typical copywriter's work and you look at mine, they are not the same because I'm not always just looking at like sales. I'm also looking at connection and building an audience out of like a, having like a unique you presence where writing is actually easy because it's your own beliefs. It's your own self. It's your own authenticity. Um, business owners appreciated that about me. So essentially how my brand and work works is 
people see my writing and they appreciate it and they want to pay me for it to help them write or to write it for them. Um, that's kind of just how it evolved over the years. That's awesome. So I think one of the things I run into a lot when I'm talking to, um, clients is a lot of times they feel like they don't have a story, like they don't have mm -hmm. anything of worth of value to share. And my shtick, my whole shtick is like, there's something there, you know, there's yeah. something there. I mean, if you've, if you've been on, on earth this long, you've experienced something that someone else has experienced and they can identify with. And I'm super interested in diving down the, uh, eating disorder rabbit hole, by the way, but yeah, staying on, can. staying on topic <laughs> just for now, um, yeah. you know, how does, you know, obviously if you're building a brand, a personal brand or a business, there's, there's a difference between connecting and, you know, writing for clicks, like what you were saying earlier. And if you have a deep story, something like an eating disorder that is very common or something that people instantly have empathy towards you for, there's almost like the barriers down. Okay. We're connected. You know, yeah. you, you told me a little bit, you told me enough, you told me a snippet and you're overcoming that and you're doing this thing. So I'm connected. I'm connected to your story. I'm connected to your journey. And I want to know how it's going, what you're doing and, you mm -hmm. know, how can I possibly be impacted the same way? Right. But if you're yeah. that person who hasn't sat down and really figured out what that connection piece looks like, you know, what does that process look like from, you know, taking that person who says, you know, I don't really have anything that people be interested in. You know, how do you, yeah. how do you pull that out of someone? You know, what's that process look like to you? You know, have you had someone where you've had to sit down and say, listen, let's talk over some things and let's, you know, let's identify some, some core components of your story that people would identify with. I love this question. Um, it's actually the most common. I get it all the time. Every time <laughs> I ever do a training, anything, it's the very first question. So I want to be very clear storytelling and being a passionate and powerful writer and portrayer of your work does not mean you have to have some really earth life, like life shattering event that you've gone through to talk about, um, because in essence, that's what like the, the hero story. And, and it doesn't always have to be that, you know, like I'm a firm believer that we don't always have to be people who go through this crazy stuff and then we need to talk about it to make something of ourselves. Um, that just is so happens to be how my story panned out and the way I portray how I do what I do now, but it doesn't have to look that way. So I say that first, because I want to make it very clear that you don't then need to go like get into debt to become a millionaire. You know, I just <laughs> like, why work yourself backwards? Mm. Um, but the process itself, I would say like, generally when I'm working with someone, um, I start with, what do you do? And then you do what you what do you, what you do and it's continuing to ask them why and why and why and why until they get really really clear and they give me some type of information that I actually can believe them for because what most people are doing is they're giving a lot of basic information that sounds like what I want to hear you know, we get so used to in business programs and in just seeing what other people are saying online, we get very used to saying what we think people want to hear from us, as opposed to what is actually true for us. And so if someone's just doing this on their own, I guess you, you could even just be asking yourself, you could look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, I think it's that much more powerful when you have someone else asking you, but it doesn't need to be complicated. I think even just starting with why do I do what I do can be a great place to start. And maybe you won't get this really glittery gold answer today, but you're starting somewhere and you can continue to come back to that question and answer it over and over and over again. You will have some bit of content there, but my best recommendation is like we were talking about reps, continue doing it, continue talking about it um, and get more clear on what it is that you actually care about within the work that you do. If it's not going to be specifically about you, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. Gotcha. So it, it sounds almost like the, that seven levels processing where, you know, you, you say you want a certain thing and then someone asks yeah. you why at least seven levels deep and eventually you get to the, that core thing, you know, is yeah. that, is that kind of what it's you're like, vibing on? Yeah. I, I haven't actually heard the, like the proper term for that, but yeah. Um, I think that's because we're so afraid of saying what it is that we really want to say right away, that it takes someone to break off the barriers. And the goal is that eventually you don't need someone to ask you seven times, right? Like 
we shouldn't, shouldn't have to be asked seven times before you get to say what it is that you really want. That's okay. Um, if you have to start there, start there, but yeah, in essence, you're just at some point you're going to get to what the real meat of it is. And, and another example I'll give of that for, for listeners is an editing technique I have in writing is when I'm editing a client's work, I will generally go like three fourths of the way down to their writing to find what needs to be the intro. It's the same thing as that once you're getting really close to the end, somehow that's where you're like really juicy, great stuff that the point of what you're saying is, it just took you a bit to get there. Mm -hmm. But that's the case for most people. I see. And so when you, so what we're doing really, or what I'm taking from what you're saying is that we're looking for something that moves us emotionally at our core. And we're wanting yeah. to somehow bring that to the forefront in the writing. Is, is, is that correct? Yeah. For us specifically, I think like when we're the ones writing and when we're the ones creating like the content, it's harder for us to see what it is we're really saying. That's always why it's great to have like a second set of eyes, even for myself, like having my own mentors do this for me has been really good. Um, but you, you're looking for something that's like to the point, like, what is the point? You know, like, what's the point? Like, why are you telling me all of this? Like, what are you getting at? And most often that's found somewhere like all the way hidden. It's very hidden. I don't, I don't necessarily know the science or reasoning why behind that's the case, but it just is. So, yeah, it's, I think it's a form of hiding, but I know when yeah. I write, I do that a lot and I'll have to go back. Uh, and mm -hmm. the thing I like about the quote unquote, Insta blog thing is you got 2000 characters, man. Like, you know, you <laughs> yes. got to get it. You got to get to the point quick. Right. And so mm -hmm. I, I find a lot of times what I'll do is I'll lead with a hook and then I try to pay it off somewhere down in the copy. And that seems yeah. to work pretty well for me. And, you know, it seems to resonate a lot of times, but a lot of times I miss it completely and I'll go back and I'll read it. And I'm like, why did I put 500 extra words in this? It's like, you know, this could have been half the size, you know, and, yeah. and, I, and I'll beat myself up about it. But, um, when we're doing this work and we're getting to this place of, okay, and you're asking the why and the why and the why and the why and the why, a lot of times what it reveals, I think, is some sort of insecurity. You know, you see this a lot at uh, business seminars, and you might have touched on this earlier. It's like, okay, we're going to process this person. Um, I want to make a million dollars. Okay, why, 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 why? And you get to the bottom of the whys, it's like tears and, you know, verklempt, and it's like, because I don't want to die a nobody, right? It's like, uh, or I, I want to be respected mm. by my family members or, you know, whatever that thing wow. is right underneath it all. And so, you know, yeah. how can you, uh, just as an example, let's say, you know, I, my, my whole thing is I want to not die a nobody or I have this fear of dying a nobody and everybody does or like, or I have this right. fear of not being respected among my peers. How do I develop right. that? How do I take that and incorporate it into like a larger sort of mission slash business um, post or bit of writing that could actually impact someone? Was that specifically belief? That's the very core? Yeah, just, I mean, as an example, there are many, right? Like you could take any, anything. I don't want to die on nobody. I, I mean, I would literally just start with that statement. Like whatever it is that you come up with that, that core statement, I would start with that. See, this is the thing that I want people to know about writing that I think is really powerful and necessary is Anytime you start writing something, you just write. You don't do anything else. You're not editing. You're not filtering. You're not thinking about what it's going to do. You're just writing. So if you got to that core belief and it was, I don't want to die a nobody, well, you write that first. So first thing you write down, I don't want to die a nobody. And then you start writing about it. And you're writing about why you don't want to die a nobody and how a million dollars got into the mix. And that ends up somewhat being like a transparent and authentic conversation and whether you choose to put that online or not, I don't care. That's your MO. However you, you know, you want to do things if you want to be that vulnerable, but, um, at least have that, I think having that conversation with yourself and starting the, to write about where journaling comes into being a powerful writer. Um, you're going to know how to speak more eloquently consistently because not even eloquently, but just like honestly, because you're doing it on your own terms. And then from there, you can create content and you can create copy that can reflect that core value. And I don't know if that fully answers what you were saying, Jason, but um, that's just like my take on why that matters. Yeah, no, I, it, it touches on it for sure. I think 
a lot of times what I see when people make that first attempt and they're coming from a place of vulnerability is it's almost like an overshare, you know, it's almost like, yes, let me just come here and complain to you. Like one of the, I mean, I don't know if you've posted this, so, so please don't hate <laughs> me if I say this, but I, I can't stand when someone goes to Facebook and says, I don't know if, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Oh, I hate, no, I hate those, those or like, um, today I saw it, someone did, um, this is about to be a transparent post. No, 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 let me, let me be very clear really quick. Let me be very clear. If you have to headline your copy with, this is about to be vulnerable post, it's not going to be vulnerable. Like I, I already know you're looking for attention. So yeah. if you're, let's, let me also just say that. If the authenticity and vulnerability path is so that you can continue to validate the story and to get more likes for it, you're 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 just staying in the same circle and there's no point in even doing this for copywriting. Okay. So I, and that's that, that's a bit brutally honest, but it is honest. No, no, I appreciate brutal honesty. So let's let's <laughs> let's unpack that a bit. Um you said to pay off the story or to reward yourself for the story. I forget the exact words you used. Uh, validate the story. Validate yeah. the story. Thank you. I knew I knew there was a great word in there somewhere. It was good. So what you said. unpack that for me. What does that look like? If I'm out there and I'm and I'm making a point and I'm validating my story, what am I actually doing? Well, you're really just looking for three free therapy on Facebook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who yeah, needs to I hear mean, this, been, but yeah. <laughs> In essence, you're just taking what you just got from yourself to be an authentic truth. And I respect you for that. I don't, I don't have any things about it or judgments because the truth is I have done this in the past. Like I'm not going to be here and say that I've never done this before. I think most of us have without realizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like looking to the crowd to say, here, can you love me a little bit more now that I'm being honest with you? Mm-hmm. And I just don't think it's sustainable. I think it's worked well for a lot of people. And when I say worked well, meaning like people get a lot of likes and they build big businesses off of it. Um, It's just not the path I would choose to go because it's in essence doing the same thing that you said you weren't going to do. Like authenticity means I don't need you to respect me because of this. It's that Mm. here is my unapologetic truth, whether you like it or not. But if it's a vulnerability post for the sake of making sure everyone likes me even more now that I was honest with you, um, I don't actually think you're being honest with yourself. Ooh, ouch. I like it. I like <laughs> these it. These are the things I've had to tell. The, I only say these things because I've had to tell myself these things. So, yeah. No, and, and no need to justify. I think you're 100% spot on. It's just, it's refreshing to hear someone else say it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Fantastic. Okay. So coming back to this idea of, you know, sort of bringing your authentic self or your, your mission and your purpose to the forefront, is there a simple way or a basic formula that, you know, someone could sort of attach themselves to and start the process of learning how to write? Within authenticity, within authenticity in a way that is, you know, going to have some sort of impact on the people you want to speak to. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I just, I, this is the post that I'm talking about that I posted today was exactly on this. So this, I had it, I'd broken it up actually into four steps. And the step one was, um, the question I asked people was if there was anything, there's one thing you could talk about for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Mm -hmm. And the first thing that you do is you just answer that with like pen and paper. Don't type. We're always typing. Something else will come out when you're writing. Um, And you don't stop. So a big thing that I have in writing, which I just said, but it's really important is not editing while you're writing. And that's important because, um, you're trying to work two different parts of your brain at once. I'm sure there's more of a psychological thing behind this that I don't really understand, but um, you'll get more meat out if you're just continuing to go. So like, don't look back, don't erase, just keep writing and keep going and keep going. That's step one. Um, Step two from there is then, okay, now that I've done this just on a very basic personal question, how can I then develop this into business purposes? Well, it's the same thing if you're creating content in business is your first draft should always just be something you write without thinking about the metrics, without thinking about the conversions, without thinking about the money it's going to make you. 
because um, working backwards. The next step is then, well, what are my own metrics? Kind of like we were talking about likes and comments is those are not metrics. <laughs> they are just likes and comments. They might like likers may be buyers, commenters may be buyers, but it's just not a metric. So what are my own metrics and why? Is that I want to actually connect with my audience. There's someone I want to um, build a relationship with in speaking this message. I'm just sharing this because it feels really good to be my full self when I share something. That's a metric. But know what your metrics are. And then um, what was the fourth one? Somehow I tied it all together at the very end within this post. I can't quite remember, but I think the biggest one was really knowing and looking at that step one and looking back and reflecting on your answer and being honest with yourself. And is this the way I'm speaking when I'm working in business practices and when I'm doing things outside of just like journaling in my own time? And if there are incongruencies, what are they and how can I fill that gap in everything in my life easier? Mm, I love it. So I want to touch on something that you brought up earlier and we sort of went, went off on a tangent, but you had mentioned that if someone looks at the work of someone else versus the work that you do, that they are going to notice there's a difference and that that difference is connection. And so I'm curious as to how I know that I am connecting. Is there a way to know aside from the obvious likes, comments, um, that we are in fact making that connection? How do you view that or, or bridge that gap? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I think one would be like to take it away from likes and comments, because when people think of connection, let's say what it's not. What it's not is everyone saying, I love this. I love this. I love this. That's a very quick and easy response for people to have on Facebook, especially when you're in these business programs that teach you like go like everyone and comment on everyone else's stuff in the program. Well, that's not actually connection. That's just me commenting on this because I was told to do so. Connection is here's what I got out of this. Here is what I received from your message. And people may not always tell you that right away. And sometimes you might actually have to ask for it. Something I actually teach clients is start to ask questions in your content, getting people to actually engage and give you a response. But it's looking at, is the response I'm getting just like, love this, great message. You're probably not creating connection. Like anyone can comment. That's just easy. It's a quick Um. And so it's actually knowing within the responses that I'm getting, what is it? And is it building into some other kind of relationship? Mm -hmm. Like, am I building relationships of this, whether that's business or not, mm -hmm. really doesn't matter. A connection is not just business, but what is my goal? Um, if it is connection, okay, well, have I, have I received anything past a comment on this post? Because that's when you know, and that's when the comment matters or not. Gotcha. So we're looking for depth of thought in those comments, yep. something thoughtful, yep. something outside yeah. of that, maybe a, a DM, maybe a, an external yeah, connect, DM. something like that. Yep. External connect. Yeah. Cause often like, especially on more on posts that are a bit more for, so you will polarizing to say, uh, you're not going to always get people commenting and saying why they resonated. Sometimes they will, depending upon your audience. Um, a lot of times it'll be a message or it'll be, and then, you know, and then there are times where people who are connecting with it and they're just not saying anything, um, and it may take them some time. Mm -hmm. So when we're doing a messaging piece and, you know, obviously we're promoting some sort of business or we're promoting some sort of personal brand, how much of the, you know, backstory versus the business story, you know, should we be focused on, you know, because on some level they motivate one another and on some level I could see how, both of them would create connection for different people under di different mindsets. Um, is there mm -hmm. any hard, fast rules around that? Or is it just, Hey, I'm writing. Um, and I'm today, I'm going to come from a more personal place. And tomorrow I'm writing, I'm coming from a more, you know, public sort of business commercial type place, or are they always layered on top of one another? What are, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's very like, both. And I think one, it depends on what your goals are and what you're looking to build. Like, are you looking to build a brand? outside of your business? Um, or are you looking to make everything very transactional? Um, to me, everything layers on top of each other, like to be able to show up online in a way that is not always just this type of post today, this type of post tomorrow. That to me personally is really important because that's not a sustainable path for myself. Um, I don't see myself for 10 years following a content planner. 
It's just not going to happen. So I think per person it's looking at, if I see this system that I'm following long-term, is this something that I can actually play out? Because um, what we don't often ask ourselves is, would I keep doing this for a very long time? And with that said, everything that you're talking about and connecting with business or personal, well, it's all coincided, at least if your business is connected to you. Um, My business me is also like my weird Courtney, like it's all in one. And so I technically could have a post about my business that also um, embodies like every other part of me. And I don't ever want it to feel like I have to have it just be one or the other. I want it to always be both. And you're going to get all of me at all times. The way I see it, it's almost like if you have to walk in a room and become someone else to fit that room, what kind of life are you building? And that's the way most of online businesses are being built is I have my online voice and then I have my in-person voice and I'm like, I don't want to be friends with you. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) true. Awesome. Okay. I have a great thought I want to share with you and get your take on, um, you know, one of the marketing greats from a, I would say more traditional or slash professional world would be Seth Godin. Are you familiar with Seth Godin? Sounds very familiar, but you might have to remind me. Yeah, he's 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 an author. He's written a, a bunch of books. He's the bald guy okay. that always has the glasses on. And he, I, he, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, you'll go look him. You'll you'll probably recognize yeah. the name. I'll remember for sure. Him. Yeah, but go look him up. But one of the things that he says is, he's like, "There's this big push for authenticity, right? And we see this because so much is fake. But at the same token, when you're doing business with someone, they're not paying you to be you. And so." I thought about this a lot and I'm like, well, you know, how can I, you know, sort of balance this dichotomy here of they're not paying me to be me or are they paying me to be me or does it depend on the business? And so given that we've had so much, um, you know, sort of back and forth around authenticity and, and message, you know, I'm curious what your take on that idea is. Uh, I mean, I don't know him, so I don't really know how what his whole message is about, but I'd be I'd be curious to hear more of what he has to say. And it's funny because I think a lot of typical marketers would say that. And that's a very common belief in marketing. I just don't necessarily agree. But here's the question that I actually had was I wonder if he means when he says me, like we have some version of ourselves, me that isn't really us anyways. And so maybe that's what he's talking about is this like false version that we have in our, in our minds of ourselves anyways, that isn't really who we are. And if that's the case that I'm in totally in agreement with him is like, you know, we really aren't getting paid to be these definitions and stories that we've made about ourselves. Um, so in that case of the matter, I'd be like, that's true. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking of it in terms of, I think there's obviously multiple layers here, but I was thinking in terms of states of being, right? Like if I am coaching someone and I'm having an off day personally, they're not paying me to show up and say, you know what, I'm having an off day. So, you know, I'm just going to kind of mail it in with you today. You know, it's like, no, you have to show up and be on, right? Definitely. No, I I would agree with that. Um, Like there's a line somewhere, right? Yeah. And it's cool because I also see that always as an opportunity for us to just kind of get out of our own way. And this is really why I love coaching is as soon as I get into um, an experiment, like where I'm coaching and I'm, and I know that I'm there to be coaching, like all my personal problems are gone. Like they're not welcomed in the room right now. I'm focused on this case in hand and and absolutely um, I would agree with that. Definitely. But I, you know, I I don't think that that's any different than what we were talking about. Um, I think it's the way the message is being heard and if someone could really understand how they coincide together. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think I agree with that. Absolutely. There's so many levels there you could go on. I know. <laughs> on I know. Like that would be a very, very long conversation, <laughs> but yeah. On and on and on. Uh, another person that I'm, I'm sure you've heard of Jerry Seinfeld, he's talking about writing yeah. a lot. And one of his quotes is that it's so hard no one can do it, you know, and a lot of times yeah. when people start writing, they have the same response, you know, I, I'm just not a good writer, I can't write, and, you know, Christina's obviously been writing more since, um, you know, she learned a few techniques in terms of promotion from Jesse's program, from Habit-Based yeah. Lifestyle, right, so she's had to write more over the last few months, 
And yeah. she never understood how difficult it was to write a piece that explains, you know, where you're coming from as an individual from an authentic place until she actually had to come up with topic after topic that relates to not only herself, but her business. And so she came to me the other day and she's like, I have so much more respect for you now. You know, you've been writing these posts on Instagram for years and, and I had no clue. Right. And so I'm curious what your take on this is, you know, writing, how hard is it? You know, is it one of those things that anyone can pick up or is it one of those things that it's just better left to the professionals, man? Good question. <laughs> to the second part, no, anyone can pick it up. If I could learn this as a 14 year old, but it also depends on like what we mean by what's a good writer. Like technically as a copywriter, I'm also not the best with grammar and spelling. Like that's not my zone of genius. Um, it wasn't like I was really good in English class in high school. It was, I was really good at picking up my pen and paper all the time. And that's all it takes to be a good writer is every single day, make a commitment to picking up your pen and paper and writing freehand without going back and editing. You want to take it where you become like really good at editing and you really understand the facets of copywriting. You can do that. That's just not the path I went down because that's not really necessarily what I cared about. Um, there's always different zones and niches of these things. So, but it's, it's really writer's block is what people are actually talking about when they say that. Um, and if you think about it, that's the case in anything. Like you could have creative blocks in anything. You could have a mental block in basketball. Um, I grew up a competitive cheerleader. I would get mental blocks in cheerleading. So even now being a more versed writer and when I feel as if I'm coming into writer's block, it's not even about writing. <laughs> it has nothing to do with writing because I could pick up my pen and paper and just start writing anything like BSing. Um, Julia Cameron very her way of seeing creativity she has a book the artist's way and she talks about like every morning waking up doing three pages of freehand so it's practices like these i don't think that'll even get you out of writer's block necessarily but it'll show you that writing itself is not what's hard writing is actually really really easy what people think is hard is knowing how to say what it is they really want to say mm, that's, that's where they're stuck yeah. And yeah, so, so writer's block doesn't really exist. You can always write something. It just may not oh, yeah. be, yeah, it just may not be exactly, may not come out exactly how you wanted it to, but you got to start the process. I think writing yeah. is amazing because it forces you to organize your words and your thoughts in a way that's cohesive and that makes sense. And I think it sort of bleeds into all aspects of life, makes you a better speaker, but also a better thinker. And what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Definitely. Um, I think especially the first part, what you said, like just getting your thoughts out. Cause I think we spend a lot of time, like really stuck in our heads with our thoughts, like jumbled. And there's something really great that I found, especially with this free hang of like the beauty that I could create of just getting my thoughts out of my head onto paper and like re morph and rewire the story itself. Um, because you don't even realize what you're thinking in your head so often that if you can get it on paper, it becomes that much more clear and in front of you. And so even if you don't want to call it writing, you just want to call it journaling. Um, it's just a really powerful practice to have from a mental perspective. You don't have to become a copywriter. You don't have to become a really good writer. Just being someone who's constantly like letting their thoughts flow and getting them out would be really great just from um, like a mentally healthy perspective. Yeah. So it sounds like the free writing piece and just not judging it is a huge key and just creating some consistency around the practice, right? Like if you are having struggles around topics or ideas, there's nothing wrong with just sitting down with a blank sheet of paper and just writing whatever, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to make sense. It, you can come back later and maybe you pull two or three ideas from it, but in the moment it's just gibberish kind of a thing. Yeah. It's like usually the hardest thing for most people is like when you don't give them a lot of direction mm -hmm. and you just, and I know they do this a lot at like business seminars and such, such, but like you tell them, you give them a very basic direction and you extra direction upon it. And they're like, but I don't like, what about this part? Like, I, I don't know, but that's the best place to start is not having direction. Someone not telling you the steps you do it because you know, you in your gut know. And the more you do things like that, the more you're going to trust yourself, the easier it's going to be to just be a creative as you were born to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's so well said. So I know that we have a hard out, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, but we've sort of run the gamut today. We talked a lot about 
uh, mindset. We talked a lot about overcoming resistance. We talked about moving in the face of adversity. We've talked about the skill of writing and developing that. You know, when you take all this together and you look at what you're creating and um, you look at Copy Labs, you know, what does success look like for you in your life? Mm, I love this question so much. And funny enough, I don't know that I actually ever asked it to myself fully, like honestly, as we were speaking of until very recently. Um, and success for me is writing every single, so success for me is so much less about, uh, the I'm creating and so much more about just being in the action of doing it. So it's knowing that I'm taking action on the things that I love every day. It's writing every day. Um, it's being present with the people in my life that I love and that I care about. Um, it's, it's knowing that I can look back. Like if I lay my head on my pillow tonight and I can look back and say, I showed up to everything that I was doing, like fully showed up. And I was in the con when I was podcasting with you, I was podcasting with you. I was in this conversation when I was having dinner with my boyfriend, I was having dinner with my boyfriend. When I was on a co call with a client, I was on that call with like to me that's more success that I could ever ask for was to be in every single thing that I was doing and anything else that had like accomplishments and achievements those to me are all just extras they're like just gifts and they're just random things that I'm like that's cool that was fun but everything that I'm doing did I really enjoying it was I having fun did I feel alive was I fully myself if I'm like Xing off all of those boxes, I'm so successful. I'm so successful. Mm, I love it. So being present is a big thing. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So obviously you've given, a given away quite a bit of great advice today for those looking to write. I know that you also offer services to people who need help with that. And so for anyone out there listening who might want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to touch base and contact? Um, probably Facebook is where I do most of my business work. Um, I don't know if we can include that in the show notes sure, or something, absolutely. but yeah, my, yeah, Facebook would probably be the best, uh, place to get connected with me. I have a lot of my own, just like personal writing, some business writing there too. So yeah. Fantastic. I'll definitely get that linked up in the show notes for you. No problem. Perfect. And my last question is always the same. And that just comes down to wellness. What does wellness look like for you? Gosh, okay, these questions I didn't even think about. I know you told me, it's, this is funny, you told me to think about them. I had time to ponder them, and now I'm putting them, so I'm like, shoot. Um, it's a big, broad okay. question, so feel free to take it in any direction you'd like. Yeah. Wellness, to me, um, I think it's taking everything into account within ourselves. Like, you know, it's funny because conversation has been about, like, honesty with ourselves, and that, to me, is more wellness than anything like above exercise, above food, above any tool or nutrition tactic that we could get. Um, if we are honest with ourselves, if we speak our at all times, if we are the same per every room, like that is the root, that is the core and everything else just compounds on that. Um, and that's the greatest wellness that I could ever live. So, I love yeah. it. I love it. I, everyone gives me a different answer and I so appreciate that because of the fact that I get so many different perspectives and takes on this thing. And thank you for uh, being here today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. So for those of you guys who want to reach out to Courtney, be sure and do so. We'll make sure we get all of her stuff linked up in the show notes. And hopefully we can get Courtney back on for a future episode because we barely scratched the surface on some really important things. <laughs> and until then, guys, we will see you in the next episode. Take care. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.